Hey folks, the Field and Garden Podcast is honored to be partnering with the Growing for Market magazine. They have been publishing practical ideas and information for direct market flower and vegetable growers for over 31 years. All the articles are written by farmers who get their hands dirty and know what they're doing. The magazine is still on the same mission as when the Flower Farmer book author Lynn Bozinski founded this magazine back in 1992 to connect growers with the best ideas from other growers. There is dedicated flower content in every magazine. A decade's worth of back issues and over 1,600 archived articles from writers like Aaron Benzenkang, Gretel Adams, Pamela and Frank Arnowski, and Jonathan and Megan Leese, all available on the website. With 10 new issues every year available on paper, digital, or both, you're guaranteed to find something to fine-tune your farm in growing for market. So if you do farmer's markets, CSA, farm stands, pick your own florist sales, or wholesaling, whether you're a commercial grower or you just want to grow like one, subscribe to Growing for Market for the nitty-gritty details of growing, marketing, and the business of local farming. And I have a special offer for you. Use the coupon code WORKSHOP to get 25% off any subscription to the original Farmer to Farmer magazine at growingformarket.com. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Field and Garden Podcast. It is your friend, Lisa Mason Ziegler, and glad you've stopped in here this morning. So as we are, you know, heading in, we're in the middle of winter, and this is a time that many of us, whether you're a home gardener or a budding flower farmer or even a seasoned flower farmer, we're already, the, the last season is enough of a distant memory of all the hard work and maybe even our failures and our befuddles that we're starting to dream of the coming season, right? And I thought that a refresher for myself of, okay, let's get back to my roots. Let's get back to what, why am I doing this? So let's just talk about a cutting garden, you know, what it is and its purpose. And I'm just going to highlight some of the areas that sometimes we just need a reminder of what this little deliberate garden. And when I say little, I mean, I'm talking about that is one of the first most surprising things to me still to this day, about how much a small space can produce. Whether that means that as a home gardener, you have a three by 10 foot bed in the backyard that just pumps out the blooms, or if you're a commercial farmer, and let's just say you have 20 acres, to learn that a half an acre, when you treat it properly, can produce thousands of stems of flowers each week in season. All of these things are so surprising, but we often lose sight of that and just keep going bigger and bigger. All right, I'm already getting away with myself here. 
So friends, welcome. If you are new here, um, I'm so glad you've stopped in. We appreciate you listening. I appreciate even more you sharing our podcast, dropping a review, um, because whenever you review this, that helps the podcast app to show our podcast to other listeners. Those listeners that are just kind of listening, looking for something else to listen to, right? So I appreciate your input and don't feel like a review is just to let me know what you're thinking. It is actually part of the technology that helps us to do this more and more. So, you know, as I've reached this plateau in my flower farming career, um, 2023 is actually my 25th year anniversary. Wow. Hadn't really said that out loud or thought about it, but I'm just looking back and as so often happens, sometimes when, uh, I mean, like a great example of this is when you're a kid, you know, your parents are telling you the way you should do something and you're thinking, ah, I know better than that, right? I know a better way. Um, it happens all throughout life, whether you're a new employee in a business or a student in a class, when you're listening to the recommended way to do something, you're thinking, oh, there's got to be an easier way or, you know, here's what I'm going to do. And there is nothing wrong with innovation. That's not what I'm talking about. But I will share that so often the way we start is kind of the way that we end up, that evolution of having to go through all those phases, right? And it was no different for me. Um, I am 100% returning to my roots of getting back to a smaller garden where the production per square foot goes up for the needs that I have. Um, and that's really becoming my mission is to share how bigger is not always better and even if you have a tiny space, you can produce flowers for your need. I mean, if you're a, a flower junkie, as we call them, people that just love having fresh flowers in their presence all the time, whether it's at their business, in their office, on their desk, in their home, on the kitchen table, on the patio, whatever, um, those are the people that I want to empower to grow cut their own cut flowers. So I, this is going to kind of give you the 30,000-foot view. You're up in an airplane, and you're flying over, and you know how you see all the pastures, and then you see all the neighborhoods. Well, that's kind of what this little podcast is all about. It's kind of my reminder and your reminder. So first, let's remind ourselves: what is the point of a cutting garden? A cutting garden is not a landscape bed. It's not a bed um, to enjoy from inside your home. This is a little garden that we plant to produce cut flowers consistently and all throughout the season. And you can apply this to a vegetable and a herb garden too. So often the failure of vegetable and herb gardens is people only go out and harvest when they actually think they want something. 
That is not the way it works, friends, nor does it work that way with a cutting garden. You have to cut the garden regularly, consistently, and ongoing to actually keep the bed producing. So let's just say you have a cutting garden, but your family goes to the lake for four weeks in the middle of the summer for your summer house, right? Then you your step to take care of that problem is you hire or get one of your friends to come and cut your garden twice a week while you're gone. First off, people will love doing that. That's a great way to spread the cut flower love, right? To introduce somebody to it, but you have to do it. So the whole concept of the cutting garden um, sometimes entices people, but few people follow through with that step um, because I will you know, say that the demise of most cutting gardens, vegetable gardens, and herb gardens are people skipping the actual harvest. And so what does that mean? Um, the harvest is means that, you know, first off, if you're a home gardener, we're talking five minutes twice a week. I mean, really, people, can you not do that? Um, and I think people really can do it, but they don't under they don't understand that that's the catalyst that keeps this garden in great shape. It keeps it healthy. It keeps it growing. It keeps it producing more fresh, clean, beautiful flowers. Um, so the harvest is for me in my life twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays, and. That just works out beautifully. I mean, I basically set that up around our customer needs. Our commercial customers needed first of the week harvest or flowers, and then our retail outlets needed the end of the week. And so that worked out. And one of the things that I teach my students is you cannot just have one outlet a week because there's flowers to be cut all the time. Um, but to be efficient and resourceful, we narrow that down to twice a week. And that does beautifully. So you need to have, you don't want to sit on those flowers from the first of the week until the end of the week. That just starts a whole vicious cycle of having old flowers to sell all the time. So you really need to cut twice a week for the most pristine flowers. And people say, well, what do you mean by that? What? Do you, how does harvesting more often improve the quality. Because think about it, a flower that is at its stage to harvest on Monday, but you leave it until the end of the week when you actually need to cut flowers for the weekend, that flower sits out there and it's getting old, it's getting sunburnt, it's getting wind whipped. But more importantly to me, it is also the place that pests visit. And you know those little spots that you see on flowers? You know what that is, y'all? That's bug poop and pee. That is what is staining your flowers. If that flower had been cut at its optimal stage, which would be, um, you know, on your harvest day, you remove that opportunity. It's not sitting out there getting hot and dirty and thirsty. Um, so you have to harvest on a regular basis. And that's why harvesting is so very, very important. And then the rest of that story is right, is handling it properly. Um, people think just cutting and putting them in a bucket, 
Um, perhaps one of the things that I'm most well known for um, here in southeastern Virginia in the customer world, not the other flower farmer world, is just how pristine and long-lasting our blooms are. And it's my harvesting habits, friend. You have to get a system and get up and do it every week, every time, and just keep doing it over and over again. So the rest of the cutting garden story is to learn about the three-season cutting garden. And when I say three seasons, that means even people in a short growing season, meaning heavy long winters with a lot of snow load, um, with early winters at the end of the season, they can still embrace. And in fact, they may embrace this more than those of us that live in the South that have a long warm season. Embracing both cool season hardy annuals and warm season tender annuals are what provide the the highest volume of flowers for the longest period of time. And, you know, my book, Vegetables Love Flowers, which is really a three-season cutting garden, y'all. It's only about how flowers benefit vegetables. It's not about growing the vegetables. Um, really takes you down that rabbit hole and kind of gives you the overview of that. So the three-season cutting garden, <clears throat> excuse me, really um, accelerates the opportunity to, the, to harvest the most out of a garden because y'all need to know that, um, you know, I'm in the middle of the city. I, ha I am not able to have any structures. I have no hoop or greenhouses. Um, so everything I do is out in a garden. It's just a supersized garden. Um, I have no protection more than any other gardener does. So you can really take what I say and offer as something that is potentially um, available for you to do in your home garden. And what a lot of people, some people will take like a quick glance at three season gardening and say, oh my gosh, what do you mean you're starting seeds all the time and planting all the time? That sounds like so much work. Well, let me tell you something, friends. When you stop and consider for a moment the boulders that we put on our shoulders, oh, and about, depends on where you live, but for me, it's in March, when the spring season is just over the horizon, you start that that craziness of, oh my gosh, I'm late. Oh my gosh, I haven't started. Oh my goodness, I haven't prepared. Oh my goodness, I am so late. I mean, that's what you say. I hear it from people all this time. If I mention something, I'm speaking, I mean, people come up to me afterwards, well, you know, I missed the opportunity to plant, or I'm late, or I haven't done that yet, or I've never gotten to it. When you embrace a three-season cutting garden, friends, all of that goes away because instead of looking in the rear view mirror at all the things you think you haven't done, you just pick up where the three season garden cycle is for you at that point. Stop looking at all the things you should have done. Forget that. You get another chance to do that because there are things to be done today, no matter where you are. There is so much to be done for a cutting garden or any garden, at any time. 
It may not all be out in the garden being harvested or actually doing work directly in the garden, but there's always some task that can be done. And that is the secret to the story, is embracing that three-season cutting garden um, and then learning the ebb and flow of that garden. You know, you learn about what varieties to plant, you know, how to, I mean, people are always asking me questions like, well, which plants bloom over and over again and which are a one and done? Well, that, unless it's a single stem variety of annual, like single stem sunflowers, it's really hard to forecast for other people in other areas. First off, branching annuals have the potential to produce over and over again, but it 100% depends on your skill and your your actual conditions and when you planted it and how you cared for it and what you gave it. Do you see what I'm saying? So friends, there's really, you've just got to get out there and do it. So circling back to this cut flower garden, why are we actually planting it? We are planting it because we want cut flowers from our own garden or we want to start a business. And it is so easy to fall down a rabbit hole, to get all caught up in, I mean, there are so many little niches within growing anything that you can get all caught up in. And you want to know what getting caught up in it does? It stops us from doing it because you feel like you still don't know enough that you don't have that exact right piece of equipment. Friends, just grab it up and run with it. Do it. Make mistakes. Those are the best lessons. The road to success is paved with failures and dollar bills. Literally, I can tell you that. Um, You know, if I had not, you know, and I... um, you know, I am severely dyslexic and learning disabled, which those kind of those two things sometimes go together. And dyslexia, one of the, the greatest traits um, of being dyslexic is dyslexic are temp are um, often called cliff jumpers. And we're cliff jumpers because we don't consider the consequences of our actions, which may explain a whole lot to you about somebody in your life that's dyslexic, particularly kids in school that are constantly bad (laughs) or act out. I mean, that's the point. They don't even think about that they're going to get in trouble. Um, That is just a whole nother conversation, right? But some of the greatest entrepreneurs in history are dyslexic and they'd have never gotten there had they not just thought, well, you don't even know till you try, right? Just do it. Just figure it out and go. Those are words out of my mouth so often. But I understand that those people that are not dyslexic, that are, you know, critically planned perfectionist, which is like dyslexia, it's got its ups and its downs. They're held back because of that. But friends, I'm here to tell you, just run off the cliff. Just do it. And better to do it and screw up than to not do it at all. So I am looking back over the years. And when I look back at my most successful gardens, 
It's back in the beginning when I was growing on smaller space and not growing perhaps maybe quite so many different types of flowers. And that's where my journey has taken me right now is I am revisiting why am I growing a cut flower garden and how, what are those basic foundation steps that simplify it, which make it so much more enjoyable. I mean, I want to enjoy the rewards of the garden. And part of that for me is the journey and friends, um, That is what I have to say today about reconsidering the cutting garden, kind of getting back to the roots of the cutting garden. Um, And that means that's a personal journey. I mean, what it is for you is totally different than what it is for somebody else. There is no wrong answer to that, right? So friends, this podcast is brought to you by thegardenersworkshop.com where you'll find me. You can connect with me in so many different ways over there, as well as our online garden shop is there, where we just offer the same tools, seeds, and supplies that I use in my garden that you hear me mention, as well as my books, my online courses, um, the online courses of some of my peers that are just some of the greatest um, teachers. You know, flower farmers do are different than other um, areas of horticulture, perhaps, because we go from the beginning of life, a seed, to the end of life, the actual flowers that are harvested. We just have a great perspective on all of that and would um, love to have you check us out when you're in the need. So, friends, until we meet again, why are you growing a cut flower garden? What is your purpose with that? Ciao.